Welcome to this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, an interview with Steve Belke, author of 50 Lessons on Leading. On behalf of the entire Strategy Driven team, I would like to welcome you to this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, an interview with Steve Belke, author of 50 Lessons on Leading. The Strategy Driven Podcast focuses on the tools and techniques executives and managers can use to improve their organization's alignment and accountability to ultimately achieve superior results. These podcasts elaborate on the best practice and warning flag articles found on the Strategy Driven website at www.strategydriven.com. In this special edition podcast, Steve Belke shares with us his leadership insights and experiences and introduces us to a method of self-reflection and growth that we can use to become better leaders and to foster leadership excellence within our own organizations. And so now, without any further delays, let's get started. We are privileged to be joined by Steve Belke, author of 50 Lessons on Leading. Steve is the principal architect and creator of Politics of Creativity, a distinctive and groundbreaking leadership framework that fosters creativity and innovation by helping leaders develop the needed political skills to address taboo topics that inhibit innovation and undermine productivity. He is a frequent keynote speaker and facilitator at conferences and seminars worldwide. Steve, welcome to the Strategy Driven Podcast. Thank you, Nathan. Um, It's good to be with you. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. I thoroughly enjoyed your book for several reasons. You know, as I read 50 Lessons on Leading, I found that not only were the perspectives unique, but they were presented in a very unique way, both graphically and for their conciseness. But maybe more importantly, I found that they really caused me to reflect on my own leadership style and the way I've behaved in the past or, in some cases, failed to act as a leader throughout my career. Would you share with our audience a little bit about the content and layout of your book? Sure. Um, As you discovered, Nathan, uh, and every reader will quickly discover that there is quite a bit of white space in this book because the 50 lessons are, in fact, um, nothing more than one statement, um, 50 statements to be exact, um, reflecting some particular lesson on leadership that is um, graphically captured in some unique way simply by the type that's used or the lines along with the type on a given page. And we intentionally um, kept it concise and brief because um, we wanted to invite the reader to think and reflect. Um, 
probably not unlike yourself. Um, most of our clients and the people that we work with have stacks and stacks of leadership and management books. And uh, what has proven to be true, though we couldn't quite imagine it even when we created the book, is that this is really substantial evidence that less can indeed be more. You know, it sure can. I received your book, of course, and you know, flip through it as I do all books and break in the spine and all to prep myself for reading. And I noticed that it was just 50 statements. And I thought, well, this is going to be a quick read, which, of course, was, was promised on the cover. Except I found it wasn't quite as quick as I thought it was going to be. Because just as you pointed out, I'd get to a statement. And the way it was laid out graphically and the thought that was presented, I found myself often reflecting back on different events in my own leadership career and thinking through how often, more often than not, I could have done something better to be more consistent with the message that you were presenting. Now, Steve, there are, of course, 50 lessons in your book, but I wanted to ask if there were one or two that you found to be more meaningful to you than all of the others? Great question. And um, I think it would be audacious for anyone to presume that they've got 50 lessons on leading that are sort of of equal importance. So before I share with you um, a couple that I think are especially important, I want to say something that um, underlies our, our, the way we look at leadership, which is that um, there's a defining lesson for every leader, but it's for that leader um, to decide which is the defining lesson that really the self and who we are as individuals is the, the most powerful tool for leadership. So I'm going to share with you a couple that I think are, are really important, but um, in the end, it's the reader that has to decide which are the defining lessons. That okay. makes sense? That makes great sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that one of the most important lessons, um, given our experience in working with uh, leaders, especially in um, fairly large corporations, um, is the lesson simply stated, leadership is more about questions than answers. And uh, the reason I think that's so important is because we tend to defer to a paradigm or a mental model that leadership is about the expert or leadership is about the hierarchical position. Mm-hmm. And in both cases, um, there's a lot of advocacy. There's a lot of defense of position, information, data, whatever. And yet, um, the ability to be skillful and to facilitate a powerful inquiry, I think, really differentiates um, leaders today. And uh, some of the most important questions that uh, businesses are struggling with today don't have an immediate or obvious answer, but they need to be on the table. Does that make sense? That makes great sense. In fact, you know, I've always come to believe that what I call a multidisciplinary team is the strongest team, that when you bring folks together that have different perspectives, they have different experiences, and you merge them together, you get a solution, uh, an, an answer to a problem 
that is so much richer and more robust than what you would if you just relied on an individual with the one perspective. And as I look out at the people I have considered to be great leaders, they were great leaders because they were able to listen, to merge successfully all those different perspectives into that one answer. And leaders who ask questions are the ones, of course, that are able to draw out of their multidiscipline team the different perspectives. Those that take an error or an attitude that they know it all, that is why they are in this uh, higher position, and I'll call it a manager or an executive position because it's, it's really not leadership, and they don't ask the questions, they don't solicit the input, those are the ones that, one, they, they ultimately fail. But even when they move forward with something, it, it's often not as robust a solution, and, and they're just not as successful as those that ask well, questions. Yeah, to, to just, I think, summarize what I've heard you just say, Nathan, and uh, we often say this in, in, in working with our clients, is that questions um, forge or bond teams more than answers. So not only do you mm-hmm. get a more robust solution, which I think you were pointing to, but um, if the leader of a team is open to inquiry and asking questions, it, it by the experience of it, draws a team closer together and forges them into a, a, a stronger unit. So, I mean, there's, there's many aspects to the, the process of inquiry and of asking skillful questions. And uh, that's just an example. One statement, leadership is more about questions than answers, that um, can provoke some reflection on the part of the reader. Mm-hmm. Um, a second lesson that I think is you know, really very important these days um, is leadership is opening up space rather than filling it up. And one might think here simply about uh, meeting management or meeting effectiveness and how often the agendas are long and the meetings are crowded and often ineffective because um, who's ever facilitating the meeting, even if there is a good facilitator, um, are uh, not attentive to the difference between getting closure and completion. Um, but the, 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 the lesson here, I think, is really about the responsibility of a leader to clear away the barriers or make it possible for others to um, contribute and to get their job done as opposed to filling up an agenda or a schedule or a calendar. And I think far too many leaders, um, inadvertently perhaps, but nevertheless powerfully, um, are creating more work than they are freeing up people to do the work that they need to accomplish. Absolutely. And they feel sometimes that they need to create this work. And it's it's just not true. There's no question that sometimes uh, anxiety or the angst that permeates um, an organization that's stressed is reflected in all of the things that fill up time and space and agendas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and – to, to that point, I've even seen organizations that over time have evolved to have a culture that value the people who come in early and stay late. 
And I've actually worked with executives who have commented quite angrily that when they walk out the door at 5 or 6 o'clock in the evening, that they're very dissatisfied that they don't see more cars in the parking lot because their workforce obviously doesn't have enough to do. And it's yep. all about appearing busy. Yes. Uh, I sometimes pose the question, and it's not merely a rhetorical question, when is the last time you were caught in the act of thinking on the job? And in fact, our hope is that this little book, and it is a relatively small book, as you know, um, mm -hmm. it can easily rest on the corner of the desk, 50 Lessons on Leading, for those with little time for reading. Um, it really lends itself to picking it up and um, flipping open a page and thinking a little bit, reflecting a little bit. But again, uh, the pace at which people feel driven and in which um, driven to work and the demand for performance um, sometimes make it incredibly difficult to even remind oneself to pause and reflect. And mm -hmm. um, we started to see these books on the corner of desks as just that kind of artifact as a reminder of, you know, I need to slow down and reflect. One of the best, and I'll say leaders, because he truly was, that, that I've had the privilege of working for, made that point very clear to everyone, that there is a component of our job where we are paid to think. People want our thoughts, and it is not a sign of laziness. It is not a sign of... I don't care, or a lack of value add, if you walk by someone's office and they are staring out the window in deep thought, because that's part of our job. And I'll use uh, Peter Drucker's term, by definition, knowledge workers are hired for their knowledge, and to have that they, and, and have access to that, they've got to think. So one, one of the uh, characteristics of the book is that there is a lot of white space on each page. And in fact, one of the ways in which um, people that have started to use the book on the job uh, are capitalizing on that white space is using it as a journal and sure. actually making notes to themselves or doing something as simple as putting a date in the upper right-hand corner and noting that on X day, for whatever reasons, that lesson um, was driven home to them, and it might have been through some negative experience or it might have been through a very affirming experience. But the book could actually be used as a kind of uh, leadership journal um, if a person was motivated to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I was going to ask you about that. Are there other ways that you would recommend folks use your book to help them take and internalize the lessons and then translate those to their day-to-day -day work activities? Sure. Um, one uh, is simply to hand the book to a direct report and say, um, I'd like you to flip through and look at the lessons in this book. And when I say flip through, I don't mean it flippantly, but I mean just, you know, peruse this book and come back to me in a day or so and tell me which of these lessons I embody and which of these lessons I maybe need to learn. So, um, you know, most organizations have some kind of um, established process for gathering performance data um, and doing performance reviews and so on. But I find um, there's far less effective 
cues or tools to invite informal feedback. Um, even the most experienced leaders seem to have difficulties. You know, it's almost like finding the excuse to invite informal feedback. So by actually handing the book to somebody and inviting feedback in the manner I just suggested, it's one way to start a conversation that otherwise doesn't happen. Sure. So one lesson that this project team uh, took to heart as they were launching into this org redesign was um, the uh, lesson simply stated, leadership is recognizing that conflict can be creative. And the need was surfaced and articulated that they needed to, prepare, they needed to be prepared to deal with some substantial uh, differing points of view um, within the organization. Similarly, another member of the team turned to the page which reads, uh, leadership is knowing when to ask for help. And he pointed out that it would be important for them to ask for the help of their customers as they move into some new dimensions of this organization. So those are just two examples of lessons that um, team members put on the table as they um, prepared this new org redesign. So those are great examples. Now, Steve, I also wanted to ask you how executives and managers might use your book as a tool to further develop the leadership skills of those who are working for them. Well, um, I think the examples that I just cited could be relevant, um, mm -hmm. but further than that, um, for example, one could select a couple of lessons or even just one lesson and ask somebody to simply write a story or tell a story that illustrates that lesson from their own experience. And um, the very process of reflecting or telling stories is probably the most powerful way of communicating. Seldom do people remember bullet points on PowerPoint slides or um, the data in a well-tuned or well-honed feedback report that's got all kinds of quantitative metrics, but people do remember a story. So, so one is simply to select a couple of lessons and ask people to tell a story that illustrates for them um, how they are embodying or working that behavior. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's used in coaching relationships. And we have actually encouraged executives, um, managers who may be working with an external coach or coaching someone internally um, to actually request that individuals take one or two lessons and then pragmatically and practically develop an action plan that includes um, learning objectives and behaviors or practices that would reflect that lesson um, on the job in some specific way. And there are different ways that that could be done. But that's, that's another example in which some managers and executives have, have used the book. Those are great examples. And it brings me back to a practice I had in a company I used to work for where once a week we would get together as a department and reflect on a leadership lesson from a book uh, such as yours, and there would be a facilitator, and that person would have reviewed that particular chapter, or in this case, it would be one of the, the 50 lessons, 
and then share with the group their thoughts, uh, feelings, interpretations, and, and how it has applied and could apply to them in the future as they carried out their work day to day, and of course, the group as a whole, and then everyone else in that same reflection uh, would also offer some of their thoughts as to how they might apply that lesson in their day-to-day -day activities as well. Um, indeed. And, you know, I mentioned the importance of storytelling, and if I could, Nathan, I'd like to just quickly mm -hmm. tell a story, which was um, sure. shortly before the holidays this last year, I received an unsolicited email from an 18-year-old girl in Tanzania who had been given a copy of this book. And she responded to the invitation at the back of the book to um, contact me with any particular lesson or story that may um, resonate uh, with them. And she picked the lesson, Leadership is Having Vision, Even in the Dark, and proceeded to tell me about how she is working with a very new, new entrepreneurship academy in Tanzania that is really working at the grassroots um, to encourage small businesses. And she was discouraged, but she found the lesson, leadership is having vision even in the dark, um, hit home for her and gave her inspiration and encouragement. In turn, her email gave me inspiration. It was like, sure. who would have ever thought this little book would find its way to Tanzania? Absolutely. Oh, it's a great story. Now, Steve, before we close, you have a website, and it's www.50lessonsonleading.com, and the 50 is actually the number five zero. Correct. And on that website, you provide just a whole host of additional resources around each of the 50 leadership lessons. Would you mind telling our audience a little bit about your website and the materials that they can find there? Sure. Um, so at the 50lessonsonleading.com website, there is, the, um, of course, the opportunity to buy um, the book if you choose to. But beyond that, there are um, JPEG graphics of each of these lessons that can be downloaded for a very nominal cost of $0.99 cents that um, you can use in PowerPoint presentations, however you might choose to, um, perhaps in, uh, along with uh, using the book in a, in a workshop or in any of the, the, the ways that we've described. So um, the graphics are accessible, the lessons themselves. Um, in addition, there is a selection of note cards that have um, the graphics on the cover of the note cards. And oftentimes, um, people appreciate, um, leaders appreciate, uh, mm -hmm. just a quick personal note. And uh, I should clarify, leaders fail sometimes to uh, realize how much people appreciate a quick personal note. And there are um, a selection of cards that are available that uh, can be readily purchased. In addition, um, there are a couple of workshops that we have um, offered and do deliver that use the book specifically, Dare to Become the Leader You Are, Defining Lessons on Leading, and Five More Lessons on Leading for the Reluctant Leader. And there's a little bit of an outline of what is involved if uh, people want to actually engage us in facilitating a workshop using the book. Great, great. Well, Steve, I want to thank you not only for your time, but for sharing your leadership insights and inspirations with us. I thoroughly enjoyed your book, particularly because you provided very thought-provoking leadership insights on which I could reflect in a very time-conscious manner. 
I hope our listeners will pick up a copy of 50 Lessons on Leading and use the approaches that you've presented in the book and that we've discussed on this podcast to further explore their own leadership and to better share it with others within their own organization. So thank you again for joining us. Nathan, thank you. It's been a pleasure, and I very much enjoyed visiting with you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast. I would like to personally thank Steve Belke for being with us today and sharing his leadership insights and inspirations with us. As always, we would appreciate receiving your feedback by email at podcast at strategydriven.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider voting for us on Podcast Alley and visiting our website at www.strategydriven.com. You can find more information about Steve Belke and 50 Lessons on Leading at www.50lessonsonleading.com. Until next time, so long.